Today I'm with guitarist Jen Butterworth to talk about her life, her music, her great ideas and many achievements so far. These podcasts are only made possible by my patrons and if you want to help me make these podcasts, why don't you check out www.patreon.com forward slash Simon Tumir. Hi Jen, how's it going? Very good, yourself? Oh, I'm fine actually, sitting in lockdown here. Oh, it's delightful, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> so you have just set up a, a brand new patron page. What are you doing with it? Oh, well... Um, it's actually been really lovely because it's given me a bit of a focus while I've been in the house. Um, I've been teaching guitar on it, mini lessons, and um, and putting up split screen videos of me playing the tune and the chords. Uh, I've been taking requests, so I've got a request for a song uh, that I've got to put up today, actually, and um, and just sharing wee videos and just just wee bits and pieces that I've been getting up to. So. Um, there's multiple tiers, so you can decide to sign up for guitar lessons or you can just watch my silly videos. <laughs> and of course, at the Trad Awards in December, you were a multi-award winner. <laughs> I was indeed. Yeah, some party. <laughs> yeah, musician of the year. And with your band, the Canaris Quintet, you won the Bellhaven Award for Innovation. 25 oh. grand! I know. Oh my goodness. You can buy an awful lot of sparkles with that, like... <laughs> Um, yeah, the, I, I'm really missing the Canaris girls at the moment. They're, um, we were supposed to be writing some new material. We'd, we'd set aside some dates in the diary where the five of us could meet together. But unfortunately now we're, we're on lockdown. So that's, that's on hold for a little while. But tunes are flying back and forward and stuff. So hopefully we can still still be making use of our time. I did a podcast with Laura Wilkie just not so long ago. And she, she was telling me about the, the beer making process that you do with Bellhaven. Oh, totally. Yeah, we were, yeah, I was kind of hoping to get a try of some of that beer at some point. I'll have to chase it up and find out where it's at. So, originally, you're from Dumfries and Galloway, down in the furthest regions. The Wild West. <laughs> what was that like to uh, grow up in? Was there lots of music going on? Um, there's there's a wee bit of a community of musicians down there. Um, I think, I'm not sure what it's like now. My folks are still, are still there. Um, they live on a farm in the middle of nowhere, just outside of Whithorn. <laughs> and um, we used to go and uh, play tunes maybe about every couple of weeks. We used to take a wee drive across. I mean, you'd have to travel quite far in the region to be able to to meet up and play tunes, sometimes about you know 45 minutes to an hour just to get a session. So we had to pick our, our times <laughs> as a family to go and do it. And if we were having a fight, if my wee brother and me were fighting, um, it'd be like, well, you're not going to go and play tunes if you're fighting and all this. So, yeah, it's some quite hilarious moments getting in the car and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's nice because obviously, you know, living in the middle of nowhere with not a lot of distraction meant that I could sit and play a lot of tunes and probably play a lot of computer games as well. But, <laughs> you know, teach myself guitar and play some fiddle and stuff. So, yeah, it was really nice. What's the guitar your first instrument? Uh, no fiddle actually recorder at school but we won't talk about that uh, <laughs> i um i taught yeah i learned fiddle um through like school um primary school fiddle like violin lessons um, and a lot of my theory actually is tied to playing the fiddle but i taught myself the guitar when i was maybe about 13 and um, just because i was singing in the house and i wanted to play some chords along with myself so Never quite imagined that it was going to end up like this and that it would be my profession, but it's pretty awesome. Did you go to lots of festivals uh, when you were growing up? Yeah, definitely. Um, my my dad, uh, my dad plays mandolin and um, he's a total tune monster. He absolutely loves, he loves tunes. So we'd, we'd go to the festivals and 
um, and we'd just disappear off to the pubs and play for the entire time and not really go and ever see any concerts, just just sit playing in the pubs. And um, um, yeah, my dad, um, my dad used to, he used to go around the craft fairs because he makes the badges for Morris dancers. <laughs> Total niche business. Um, but uh, it was amazing because it meant that we went to quite a few and we'd sit in the craft fair during the day and um, and sell the badges and stuff and, and take turns at going off to the pub and play tunes. And then at night you just play tunes all the time. So it meant that um, you ended up with a really lovely uh, group of pals um, and and quite an interesting repertoire of different tunes and stuff just because you were traveling around meeting different people all the time so it's um yeah it was it was a lovely way to grow up and 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 I guess because there wasn't quite as much regular music where I was growing up in Dumfries and Galloway it gave me my fix in the summer <laughs> of loads of tunes and then you just spend the whole winter just like learning loads more and then going out in the summer and doing the same thing again. So, and you then went to study at the Strathclyde Applied Music course. Was there something that, as you were growing up, made you think, I really want to do this? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I've always had an absolute obsession with music, but I never really thought about it as a career. It was more just something that was part of my life. Um, and when I was applying for uni, um, I'd looked at the applied music course, but I'd also looked at ethnomusicology over at Belfast. And I was looking at community arts at Strathclyde as well. And, um, and toying with the idea, because I, I really liked um, organizing workshops and arts administration and stuff too. So it was a, a kind of workout which one was, was going to be the best thing. And I remember talking to my mom and she was like, well, if you went to study community arts, uh, would you spend all your time looking over the wall at the music department wishing you were doing that instead and I was like probably yeah and she was like well you know that you're probably going to be skint but if, if it's what you want to do you should just do it so I think that was a pretty amazing piece of advice my my parents are both self-employed well at the time anyway they were self-employed craftspeople so coming from a background of not necessarily having a huge amount of income and stuff it it's the it was a good way of understanding what I was getting into I guess you know, and it's about passion as opposed to, you know, business. That was a great course as well, of course, the Strathclyde Applied Music. Everyone loved it. Oh, it was amazing. It was such a great community. And I think because because at the time, the, I guess the, the choice was to go to Strathclyde or to go to the RSAMD. And funnily enough, now I've ended up teaching at what is now the conservatoire. But um, they were kind of, you know, I guess in the in the sort of student community, rival courses. Uh, but I found that the Strathclyde one... Um, all the backline, all the accompanists seem to come out of the supply course and the soloists tend to come out of the RSEMD course at the time, which I found quite interesting. And um, so there was some great folk like Martin O'Neill and Duncan Lyle, you know, it was, it was great. Just and then Patsy Reed as well, of course, like string extraordinaire. And um, we were in the same year as each other at uni. So it was just a really great hub and lots of different genres going on at the same time. So you were forced to think, a bit wider about what it was that you were doing and try and understand what everybody else was up to at the same time. So, yeah, it was a lovely time. So, and we first met, we were just discussing it in 2002, I think, for the, the <laughs> second year of the BBC Radio Scotland Young Traditional Musician Awards. I know, oh my goodness, that feels like such a long, well, it's such a long time ago now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was in, uh, I think I was in second year. I was in second year because I did it one year. And then, um, funnily enough, the year after, I think, Anna Massey won. And that's when we started the Anna Massey Band, because it was, it was just after she'd won the award as well. But it was, it was really nice. It was lovely. It was kind of a blur, I think, actually. Like, quite a lot of my early years at uni, 
I was just in a complete fog of music. I was out every night playing just all the time. And it's like, I just, I just feel like I was just going through this totally crazy journey over the first couple of years that I was in Glasgow. And, and that, the, the time that we were at Weston was part of that. And it was, it was great fun. And you said to, to me that around that time as well, you actually thought about maybe moving to the Newcastle folk degree. Yeah, that's totally right. I um I guess I think I think all students have this kind of this little bit of I don't know whether it's crisis time or reflection time quite early on in their studies where they're like what am I doing with my life? And uh and I was I guess at the time I was sort of struggling to find where I belonged because I hadn't necessarily grown up in the conventional Scottish music scene. Um but obviously I find myself right in the middle of it in Glasgow. And I was identifying quite a lot more with the, with the, maybe the English folk music scene because I'd spent a lot of time traveling around the festivals and, and stuff like that when I was younger. So I did actually apply for the Newcastle course that started when I was in second year. And, um, and I got invited to go down um, and, and life could have been quite different, <laughs> but I decided to stick where I was. And, um, and I'm chuffed, I think the, the course in Newcastle, I think it would have been an amazing experience, but I've also found that um, a lot of the people that were there that I would have probably studied with at the time, I now know through just working professionally in the scene. So it's quite nice that it all becomes one big community anyway, regardless of where you are. And uh, back in 2002, you were, uh, you entered, I suppose, as a, a singer, songwriter, which you obviously yeah. still are. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, I mean, it's interesting to watch your uh, career progress uh, yeah, and be I suppose be more known now, although you still sing, but actually as a an accompanist. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's and it's a tricky one because um, it's not necessarily you know, it's it's weird to forge a career as a solo artist who is an accompanist because you always rely on somebody else to be playing with. But um, I guess over the last, it was actually interestingly, it was when I was nominated for Tutor of the Year at the trads that I was like, oh, wait a second. Like, I don't just belong to other people. I've, I've got my own thing that I do and, and I can celebrate that even though it's a bit unconventional, <laughs> you know? And um, so, so I just started, um, I guess, kind of trying to promote myself through the work that I did with other people. And I learned that, um, that it's totally amazing being an accompanist and, and that I should celebrate, I guess, the skill that I have and doing it and it's made me have a lot more belief about about my own abilities I guess and stuff so it's been quite a lovely journey that I've been interested watching you because you've got stronger and stronger as yeah. a player and you're actually your play's changed a lot as well yeah, I think it's funny because I actually although if I look back on on the old stuff that I did you know like the the stuff playing with Anna and Myrids a, a lot of the core of what I've done has always been the same sort of feeling like the the sort of builds in dynamic and the groove and there's been a lot of stuff that's always been really important that stayed the same but definitely sort of my technical ability and and just the finesse and I think um, I've learned so much from playing from depping people actually and from listening to other artists and and quite often because what I do is I get sent a cd and they're like play what's on that cd and you're like Okay, <laughs> let's work out how to do this, and then um, and then you're trying to you're trying to emulate a guitar part quite often that's been built over quite a long period of time by somebody. So you're you're focusing on copying something that's that's really really polished, and I think there's something quite interesting in that. So 
a really, really big thing for me was when Fiddler's Bid asked me to dip for them. And um, I was playing the album All Dressed in Yellow and they just sent me the CD and crikey, by the way, if you've tried transcribing All Dressed in Yellow, whoa, I mean, there's so much going on in that album. It's absolutely mad. And um, and my charts for it are just all subdivisions. You know, it's just, you can't, there's not as, as many chords, but it's just the, the bars change all the time. And and listening to, I think it's Fiona Debar that's playing um, guitar on that. And and just the, the right hand, the beauty and the control of the right hand, I was like, this is just stunning. And it, it there's just little moments like that through my musical life where I've been like, oh whoa, that that's just something that's really resonated with me and and it's and it's just taken my playing somewhere else entirely. So who are your fellow accomplices that you really look up to? Oh man, that's a crazy, mad, huge question. <laughs> Um, it's it's funny actually because um, in the world of accompanists you don't really get a chance to spend a lot of time with other accompanists to learn about what they're about. Um, I, I guess you know sometimes you get to jam with people. Um, I've spent a lot of time jamming with Hamish Napier because we were in the Blast Collective for such a long time, and um, and his groove is excellent fun. And I I find that I I get drawn to. Uh, percussionists and drummers because you know I'll spend time and you can feel the connection that you've got so um so people like I spend a lot of time playing with Steve Foreman but I totally love the playing of James McIntosh and um and drummy and uh, Lauren out of Heisk as well absolute machine totally amazing um but when it comes to guitar I mean you've you've got your totally amazing go-to people like uh uh, John Doyle, of course, like he's he was a big part of um, like my listening. It, I listened to that Solus album so much when I was growing up, and uh, and Ed Boyd and in his role in Fluke as well, and people like that. Um, but it's I guess and Anna Massey was such a massive part of my my formative time working with another another guitar player and another accompanist. Uh, but there's there's so many that you don't really quite get to hear all of the amazing things that they do because they're working quietly behind other people, <laughs> which which is quite interesting, you know? So there's there's so many, actually. I should maybe do a blog of awesome accompanists because there's tons of people out there. And in recent years, you've also been very involved with the Bit Collective. Yes, I have indeed. What's that about? So um, the Bit Collective is um, exploring the equality in um, traditional music, gender equality. And actually we're sort of trying to widen it a little bit. So it started off from a perspective of hashtag women in trad, where we were um, we were looking at sort of how equal the scene was and trying to shine the light on the women in the trad music scene. And now um, it's looking like we might be getting a little bit of funding actually, um, which hopefully the Bit Collective can probably tell you a little bit more about officially, but um, it means that we can facilitate a little bit more, like maybe some more workshops and open it up to not just a gender imbalance thing, but also um, access and, and other minority groups that might need to be supported or that we might need to do some research in. So yeah, it's just generally striving for a little bit more equality across the board in the trad scene. So as we look to the future, you yeah. know, I've obviously got the Canaris content working on new material. What else is uh, going on? At the moment, uh, I'm just building my Patreon page and getting used to teaching online. Um, that's the short term thing. Uh, I had started looking at a solo album, which 
and totally loving developing and actually learning how to record myself a bit more in the house has been great for that uh, but weirdly at the moment it's hard to find the time for creativity when you're trying to just keep your business going uh, and also trying to find the headspace when there's so much going on in the world right now to free your mind enough to be as creative as you want to be is tricky so I'm hoping that maybe as I keep settling into stuff over the next few weeks then I can start working on some solo stuff as well and then I'm looking forward to there's been loads of obviously loads of gigs cancelled so when we are allowed to get back to to sharing music in public again there's a lot of work with um with Canaris Quintet or with me and Laura Beth uh Ross Ainsley and Ali Hutton Ryan Young uh, and Jack and David, um, Jack Smedley and David Foley as well, just brought a new album out. Oh, and Well Pound too. These are all sort of things that are being rescheduled in the background. So it's nice to have stuff to look forward to, actually, um, down the line, even if it is next year that we're looking at. Well, that's all very exciting, Jen. So thanks very much. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you. It's good to speak to you.